Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. That's all right. Uh, I, I tell you, we've been on the church now for some time, and I believe it's important. I really do. I think it's one of the most important truths in God's Word, and I'm just excited about the church and what it means to me tonight, and I'm sure that you are too. But I think we need to get away from that for a little while and maybe on Wednesday nights begin to talk about uh, salvation and to talk about the fact that Jesus died. You know, if, it, if that ever grips our soul that Jesus died for you and for me, I want to give you some reasons tonight and uh, that'll give you a fuller and richer, uh, richer and a deeper uh, meaning for the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about six things in, in the message tonight having to do with the death of the Lord Jesus, words that I believe will give you an understanding of just how much he cares about you and he cares about me. And I think, listen, if, if, if we don't get it done, Brother Dave, I mean, listen, the people here tonight Wednesday night, you are the backbone of Emmanuel Baptist Church. I mean that. You're, you're precious to me. Uh, I suppose that just about everybody here tonight loves Emmanuel. They love uh, Brother Bill, uh, love Jesus most of all. And I suppose that most of the people here tonight, now I don't know, I don't look, don't check. But I suppose that most of the people here tonight, I'd say just about everybody, is a, a, a great giver of your financial blessings here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Now, my friend, if anybody's going to get it done, it's going to be the folk that are here tonight at Emmanuel Baptist. Now, the Sunday morning crowd, bless your heart. Now, I like them. I love them. But I tell you, the Sunday morning crowd just don't get it done. I mean that. Now, I've been in a lot of churches, been a member of several churches. I was a member of Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I was a member of the uh, Sheets Memorial Baptist Church down in Lexington, North Carolina, right out from where your son is at school down there, Brother Lewis. And W.E. Sampson used to preach there, Bible doctrines at Piedmont Bible College. He was my pastor for a while. Brother Bob Bevington over in Knoxville, Tennessee was my pastor for about a year. I've been in some good churches, and I've pastored some good churches. And my friend, I found out that there is always, in every church, there's a select group of people that are dedicated and consecrated in their living and they're the ones that really carry the load. And you're the load carriers here tonight. And you're the ones that I can depend on. If there's any visitation to be done, I'll depend on you. Now, folk that come once a week on Sunday morning, you, I don't expect them to go visiting on Thursday night. That's right. I just don't look for them. But I do look for you people. And when you aren't here, I get I just get down. I mean, listen, my, my feathers just droop a little bit 
because I am depending upon you people here to get things done for Jesus. Now, you'd be surprised, and I want these Wednesday night sessions to just be a time when we just talk together and reason together. I may even ask some of you to give testimonies. Uh, when we get down to some of these words tonight, I may have some of you to stand and in your own words just tell this congregation exactly what these words mean to you concerning the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about his death. We're going to talk about his burial. We're going to talk about his glorious resurrection, Brother Jerry. And we're going to then from there, we're going to uh, pray that God would give us the burden. And we're going to begin to have soul winning uh, taught on Wednesday night. Every time I've ever been sick in my life, or and it hadn't been too many, but when I get down, can't get up, God usually begins to deal with me about some things. And God's laid it on my heart that we need to be about winning souls here at Emmanuel. I mean that. I, I think we ought to have a bus ministry. We want to get that started in the fall of the year or, or the spring, whichever one we uh, feel good about. We can get started in this and reaching people for Jesus. And, and we just need to be out knocking on doors and winning folk. And if we don't do that, I think it's displeasing to the Lord. Amen? Because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. And my friend, there are multitudes out there that are lost tonight. Now, I want you to know this, that the death of Jesus Christ was a supreme work of Christ. When we came into this world, we, we're born in this world to live. That's right. We came to this world. He came to die. I mean, listen, that's, that's why he came. That was his, his mission. He's the first missionary. Now, you talked about missionaries tonight, Brother Frank. You talked about Brother Schott in the Philippines, Brother Salazar in South America, and Brother Shiflet over in Samoa, and Brother Finch over in Japan, and uh, Brother uh, O'Brien that's going to Mexico and other places around the world. Do you know the first missionary was Jesus Christ? That's right. I mean, listen, he came from a foreign land. Amen. He came from heaven, and he came here to this earth. And he came to win us back and to bring us back into fellowship with God. Amen. And so he's rightly the very first missionary was Jesus Christ. And we need to know that he came into this world to die. Now, I think anybody that preaches, I don't care who he is, I think he ought to, uh, sooner or later in his message, he ought to get to Calvary. Amen. I mean, listen, I heard a fellow say one time, said, choose a text read it, and then make a beeline to Calvary. Amen. I mean, listen, that's, that's what we need to do. I heard Dr. Jack Hiles today on a tape, and he said this. He said, uh, I don't want to give you, said, I don't give you anything uh, really profound, don't give you anything new. He said, I've got about 20 themes, and he means by that uh, the theme of heaven, the theme of hell, the theme of the second coming, the theme of the, uh, the salvation, the death, burial, and resurrection, the theme of victorious Christian living. He said it has about 20 themes in the Bible that he preaches on. He said, now I may dress them a little differently and present them to you a little bit differently. He said, but I just preach on those 20 things. Now, I agree with him. I agree. Most people 
All right, I believe people that come to church here at Emmanuel Baptist Church, you need to know just about 20 things, themes from the Bible, and get fired up, go out and put them into use, and get people saved. That's what we need to be doing. I talked to Brother Darrell Cox this week. You know how many Brother Darrell had in Sunday school this Sunday? Anybody know? How many? That's right, 302 people in Sunday school had 308 in his preaching. Sir, can you imagine that? Man, I've been there. I don't know where he put them, Brother Jerry. I told him, I said, Brother Darrell, did you have them hanging from the light fixtures or, or standing in the corner or somewhere? I don't know where he put them, but I don't believe he'd lie to me. I don't believe that. And he told me he had 302 people in Sunday school this past week. Now, I want to tell you something about Brother Darrell. He hadn't been to a Bible college. He didn't go to school. And uh, I don't know whether he's a very educated man or not. I think he reads his Bible a lot. I think he studies. He listens to a lot of sermons. I know that. But I'll tell you what, he's got a burden for the souls of men and women. He gets out. He knocks on doors. And uh, he operates a bus route, getting little children saved. He told me this past week, I told him I was going to bus ministry. and I was talking to him about it. And he said, I'll tell you one thing, preacher. He said, you better alert your people to it. And I know this already because I ran five buses in Virginia. I know what he's talking about. He said, I had the wall in my church inside uh, about the size of a peck basket, a hole knocked in it this past week. Some of those wild little children coming in on the buses. But my friend, listen, uh, we still need to go get them. Amen. You say, well, I'm afraid they'll tear up the pew. We can buy more pews. Amen. You say, well, I'm afraid they'll, they'll knock the walls down. We can build more walls. I mean, listen, we're going after souls. I had a little girl, not a little girl. She's a young woman now, married, has a family. Used to, her name was King when I knew her, Marie King. She was one to the Lord when she was eight years old. She rode in on Eleanor Clark's bus. Miss Clark's been here to church. She and her husband, William, and the King family used to ride on Miss Clark's bus. Uh, her mother got saved, Mrs. King. Uh, her brother got saved. Her brother got saved, and when he was how old are you, Tony? Nine years old. Uh, when he was about eight or nine years old, he got saved. And after he got saved, we had a revival meeting with Brother Milton Carr, and that little boy brought fifty-seven people to church that week. I mean, fifty-seven people he brought and recorded fifty-seven visitors that week. Now, and Marie King, his sister, wrote me a nice card. She said, Brother Bill, you may not remember me, and I could never forget her. I could never, one of the prettiest little black-headed girls you ever saw in your life. And she got saved. She said, Brother Bill, I'm still saved. She said, I'm in Brother Ben Wharton's church now in Warsaw. And she said, I'm a president of the Women's uh, uh, Ladies League here in the church and the Victory Women. She said, I have to stand and speak to them sometimes. And, and she said, I'm real nervous. But she has her own family now, still active. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Now, saved when she was eight years old and still going. Now, I'm telling you, things like that excite me. And I believe that we need to be doing the same thing right here at Emmanuel. Now, I want to talk to you about his death for just a few minutes tonight. Now, Look in 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. Now, we're talking about the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've got so many things up here that I, I could give you tonight about his death. I could talk to you about the doctrine of his death. 
I could tell you about the appointment of his death. I could tell you about the, uh, the mode of his death, the results of his death. I, I've got enough things up here written down, notes tonight that I could speak to you until Brad over here, he just drops his head and go to sleep like that fella. Who was that man Paul preached to? What was his name? Huh? Fell out of the third loft. Anybody remember his name? I can't think of it right now. I usually know it, but I couldn't think of it right now. If you're going to shoot me. But uh, some of you might go to sleep tonight on me if I preach all this, but I'm just going to give you a little bit of it tonight. In 1 John chapter number 2, and look at verse number 2, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, I'm not going to ask you fellows to stand tonight and tell me what propitiation means. I'm sure some of you could, but I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'll get, a, I'll get an easier word for you tonight. But the word propitiation, it means to win the goodwill of another. It means to appease one uh, who is angry or one who is dissatisfied. And uh, this is what uh, the death of Jesus Christ did for you and for me, Brother Bobby. I mean, listen, we, uh, we are hell-bound sinners, and we have uh, broken the laws of Almighty God. You and I have, and, and not just the two of us, but every person in this room tonight. We've all missed the mark. We've all committed sin We've all done those things that are displeasing to God. Now, I want you to know one of the things, one of the reasons that Jesus died, and a tremendous reason is that he died for us. Amen. He paid our sin debt. I thank God for that. But I believe the primary reason that Jesus Christ died on the cross was as a propitiation for our sins, and I believe that he appeased God. I believe that he wins back the goodwill of God. And he, he brings us back into a right relationship with God. That's one thing that the death of Jesus Christ did for you and for me when the Bible says he was a propitiation for our sins. Now, the next word is a little bit easier and uh, to understand, it's the word substitution. I want you to look with me in John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10. I just begin thinking, where would I start in uh, trying to get people concerned about souls? And I thought today, well, if I could get people, if people ever understood the supreme sacrifice that Jesus Christ made at Calvary, I believe we'd be more concerned. I mean, listen, my friend. Sure, he was beaten. But uh, more than that, there was a separation between him and God Almighty. And I mean, listen, God couldn't look on that scene that day. And Jesus died uh, 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 on the cross of Calvary and, and paid your sin debt. And if you ever understand that, if it ever grips your soul, listen, houses and lands and automobiles and bank accounts and, 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 and businesses and everything else under the sun, they'll all, they'll all dim and they'll fade in the background when we realize that the only important thing in this world is our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's right. 
I don't have anything against money. I kind of like to jingle a little bit in my pocket every now and then. I like to be able to pay my bills, and I like to be able to buy things for my family, and, and I like to be able to give some, you know. But I'll tell you something tonight. The most important thing that you'll ever do is receive Christ as your Savior. And then the next thing is to get a burden and go out and tell people about Jesus. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? So really what, what he's saying is this, that we deserve death. We deserve it. I deserve it. You deserve it. Every one of us. Uh, I'd be ashamed tonight. Listen to me. I'd be ashamed tonight for you people here to know about my past. I would. I'd be ashamed. Now, I won't tell you. I've told people, you know, I used to do this and I used to do that. But I didn't go into all the gory details and I don't intend to. And I would be so ashamed tonight for the young boys and girls, the adults here, my wife. I Listen, I'd be ashamed for anyone in this room to know my sinful past. You say, Brother Bill, were you that wicked? Yes, and so were you, my friend. So were you. You say, well, I've been in Sunday school all my life. I, I've always read my Bible, and I've always prayed. I'm telling you, God Almighty said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen? And I believe we're all made out of the same old red dirt. God classifies all flesh alike. I don't care whether it's preacher flesh, deacon flesh, Sunday school teacher flesh, or, or pew packer flesh, whatever it is, it's flesh and it's displeasing to God. And in the flesh, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you can't please Him. Amen. And so we deserve to go to hell. We deserve to burn in hell. But Jesus Christ was our substitute. He was a good shepherd and He, he laid down His life for you and for me. Now, brother, that, that means something to me tonight that Jesus Christ was my substitute. Now, you're still in the same flesh you were before you got saved. And you just might end up the same way. You don't know. You might end up the same way. You don't know what the future holds for you. And so I'm saying to you tonight, don't be quick to judge. When a man or a woman receives Christ Jesus as their Savior, God Almighty, Jesus Christ, becomes their substitute. And you say, well, logically and from human reasoning and from the human standpoint, it doesn't seem as if somebody would be saved like that. It's not from the human standpoint, amen? And it's not human reasoning, and it's not uh, 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 logical reasoning, my friend. It's the grace of God, amen, the grace of God. He became our substitute. Now let me give you a couple of more words here, and we'll be through. Be through in about 10 minutes, promise you that, okay? <clears throat> the word redemption, redemption, redeem. What does it mean? Well, look with me in 1 Peter chapter number 1, please. 1 Peter chapter number 1. For as much as you know, verse number 18 in 1 Peter chapter 1, that ye were not redeemed 
with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Well, to be redeemed. I'll tell you what it means. We had a price on our head. Amen. We were in the slave market of sin. Slave to sin. Listen, uh, a lot of people say, well, I don't have to do those things. I did. I got to be a slave to sin. And I was in the devil's clutches. He was my father. Everything he wanted me to do, I'd do it. You know, I was an obedient child of the devil. But you know, Jesus paid that price. And that's what it means to be redeemed. Listen, if you go down here to a pawn shop somewhere and take your false teeth and uh, pawn them off down there and get you four or five dollars for them, and then you go back the next week and you redeem them, that means you pay for them, you buy them, you buy them back. And that's what Jesus Christ did for us. Listen, we belong to God Almighty, but we are sold under sin in a slave market. And Jesus redeemed us. I'll tell you what, that's a blessing, amen. Don't you think people in Beckley ought to know about that? Don't you think so? Listen, if you went downtown tomorrow to the courthouse, Brother Jimmy and I was talking about this the other day, and you just started, got 100 people that you met down there, and you ask 100 people, how do you get to heaven? How many of them do you really think could tell you in detail? Now, a lot of them would say, well, you got to believe in the Lord. What were they talking about? The devil believes and trembles. I mean, how many of, out of 100 people, how many right here where there's a church on just about every corner, how many in Beckley, West Virginia, do you think could sit down and tell you in detail and explain to you the plan of salvation and direct you to the Savior so that you might be saved. I doubt if it be 10. I really do. I doubt if 10 people. Now, I know that they, probably a lot of folks say, well, you got to believe in the Lord. You got to do good. You got to go to church. Got to be baptized. Got to do the best you can. You'd get every kind of answer you could think of, my friend. Now, I'm telling you, Beckley, West Virginia is a mission field. A mission field. They're out there, multitudes of people that are lost and dying and going to hell. And they need to know that Jesus redeemed them also, paid their price. And then here's another one now. Let's see. Romans 5 and verse number 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we should be saved by his life. Now, what does it mean to be reconciled? All right. Uh, in other words, there's an estrangement between you and God. You're over here and God's over here. And to reconcile means to be brought back into fellowship with God. Now, folk, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that marvelous? You know, God had a garden one time, put a man and a woman in it. Man's name was Adam. The woman's name was Eve. And sin came. And they were, they were driven out of the garden and away from God. And because of sin, God sent his son. And his son reconciled man and brought him back to God. And then the other words I had tonight was atonement. Found 77 times. It means a covering. 
Uh, it's found in Romans 5 and verse number 11. Would you turn there? Romans 5 and verse number 11. Now, I know this is not one of those rip-roaring messages tonight, but maybe sometimes you don't need one of those. Maybe you just sometimes you just need to sit down and talk, huh? And reason, you know, with each other. I'm trying to get you to see tonight, folk. It's important that you win souls. Joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Amen. Uh, now, that's an Old Testament word. It's only used one time in the New Testament right here, but it means a covering. But now we're redeemed. Amen. Our sins are no longer covered by the blood. They've been redeemed, Brother David. They've been taken away from us, and that's wonderful. And then the last word is a ransom. Look in Matthew chapter 20, Matthew 20, and verse number 28. And my time's gone. 20 and verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered, ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Amen.